0: Hey, hey, welcome back. Today's activity coaching conversation is focused on joint work. Joint work is a crucial component of a new rep's development. Hence, it's an important part of activity coaching. So while it is only one spoke in the development wheel, a lot goes into creating a joint work culture and an effective joint work experience for your new FRs. Joint work should be tracked and addressed regularly in activity coaching each time you meet, reviewing how many of their appointments were joint work and who joint work was conducted with. And today, we are going to share some of the best practices and nuances around joint work. So for starters, I believe that knowledge is power. So if you don't already know what your organization's overall joint work percentage is, definitely go check it out. I believe this information can be found in CRM in some of the great reports that are out there. But the key is, obviously, if you want to change the number of joint work or the percentage of joint work that is being conducted and get really good at creating a joint work culture, you need to know where you stand right now. Okay, so let's dive in with some best practices. And the first one we wanna talk about is how you are positioning joint work for maximum success. If you aren't already discussing joint work with candidates in the selection process, I would encourage you to start doing that. Let candidates know that joint work is a part of the culture and that it's an important part of their training and development. Of course, joint work should also be thoroughly covered in training, but go a step further than just handing out a joint work list and telling them it's important. Bring in experienced FRs on the joint work list for a lunch to get to know the FRs. Have the experienced FRs share their joint work success stories and experiences. Let them talk about how they have benefited from joint work. So making sure that it isn't just telling them it's important, but letting them hear it from everybody and letting them see it in the culture. So speaking of a joint work philosophy, Sabina, what is your philosophy specifically on the amount of joint work?
1: Okay, so it's going to change depending on where reps are in their career. So in the beginning, I think new reps want to be doing 50% or more joint work at least. And so here's the thing. I think of joint work as a continuum. So at one end, you have reps who don't want to do any, right? They don't want to share any credit. They don't want to do any. And then at the other end, you have reps who have figured out how to leverage joint work to the point they almost don't have to be there, right? They figured out that they can take a veteran and the veteran will go to the appointment and they can do something else. You really want your reps to be somewhere in the middle. You want them to be doing enough to learn things that they can use on their own later, but not so much that it becomes a crutch. So that's going to change over time depends on their market too. So a brand new rep who comes in and is working with a lot of younger single people, they might only have to do a handful of joint work cases to kind of pick up some of the nuances of influencing people to take action. If someone comes in and they're working with business owners or older people, people who have more estate issues, markets where there's more complex situations, There might be a longer period of joint work and learning and a higher percentage of joint work. But the important thing to remember is when you're brand new, you have to do more of everything. I mean, it is almost in the first three, four months, you can't do too much joint work, I think. What do you think, Heather?
0: No, I totally agree. And what's interesting, working with new reps and doing activity coaching with new reps, you really can see a difference in the activity levels, the productivity levels, the knowledge, right, the learning that takes place between those that are doing more joint work and those that are not. So I wholeheartedly agree with that. I want to talk a little bit about something that I believe that I'm just very passionate about, and that's execution. So when it comes to just about any process, the secret sauce really is in the execution, not what's on paper. And joint work is no different. So I guarantee that the majority of those listening today are going to tell us, yes, we have a joint work list, right? I mean, almost all offices have a recommended list of joint work people and it's in writing or they might say, yes, we have a joint work agreement. But the more important question is not do you have it, but how are you using it? Do you know if your FRs are using the joint work agreement to determine who will conduct which parts of the meeting? Who's going to prospect? Who's going to run the plan after you take the fact finder? What are the splits for the case? As I'm activity coaching FRs for other offices, I am still shocked when I hear from new FRs that, oh, my joint work partner showed up 15 minutes late for the meeting again, right? Or, well, I completed a fact finder in the first meeting and then my joint work partner came to the close and ended up refacting the prospect and they were confused and then I was confused. And I don't know, it just didn't go very well. So the best joint work list or joint work agreement on paper is not going to fix these issues. So take some time and get some feedback from your new FRs on their joint work experiences. It will be well worth your time. There might be reps on your list that shouldn't be, right? Regardless of how successful they are in their business doesn't necessarily mean they make a great joint work partner. And then lastly, my best piece of advice on execution of joint work is around reflection. This is one of my favorite quotes. I'll probably even say it twice (laughs) is reflection turns experience into insight. And I'll say it again, reflection turns experience into insight. The real learnings from joint work take place during an effective debrief, right? So are your experienced FRs giving feedback to the new FR after a joint work meeting? Back in the day, many times the new rep and the experienced rep would drive together in the car and on the way back, they would debrief, right? Or if you do the meeting together in the office, the prospect or the client leaves and then the reps, what do they do? They debrief. In today's day and age, especially this last year with COVID, right? Everything has been virtual. So it's so easy at the end of the meeting to say goodbye and just click leave, right? And not take the time to have those learnings, to talk about what went well, what did you learn, what questions do you have? So take the time to debrief those meetings and to really reflect because that is where the learning takes place. Sabine, anything you would add to that?
1: Just one thing. And that is when you think about your joint work veterans, what you said made me think of that. Not everybody, just because of their results, is a great joint work partner. You want someone who reflects the culture that you're building and someone who believes in the activity measures that you have been teaching your new reps. So because I've seen joint work where there's a great veteran, a great producer, but they basically tell the new rep, just forget everything they told you and do what I do. You know, that kind of <laughs> thing. That is not helpful for you. <laughs> so, right. and one of the things that you can do to really help your new FRs, is actually connect them with the joint work partners. And imagine this. Imagine being you're a brand new financial rep, and maybe you're younger coming into the business. And part of what you have to do is go ask a distinguished veteran of 15 years, maybe a forum-level producer to go on a joint call with you. Sometimes that can be a little intimidating. So I feel like as coaches, you can really ease some of the pressure by literally walking them down to the veteran's office, now that we're allowed to be in proximity to one (laughs) another again, walk them down to the office, introduce them to each other, and give a few positive comments about each of them. For example, this is Heather. She's one of our forum reps and she's done such a great job of building an integrated practice. And Heather, this is Sabina. She's one of our awesome new reps and we have great expectations for her. I think you both will make a great team and I can see you working well together. That's not enabling or hand-holding. That's just a real thing that you can do that just eases some of the pressure and makes joint work easier for the new reps. Mm -hmm. Heather, what do you think?
0: You mentioned connecting, obviously, all about connecting the FR and the joint work partner, which is an important part of just preparation overall in terms of effective joint work. And there are things that a new rep and an experienced rep should be doing to prepare for effective joint work. Obviously, joint work agreements are one of them. We mentioned those when we were talking about execution. But along those lines, Sabina, you and I laugh about this all the time, right? Is how many new FRs throw their joint work partner under the bus? when it comes to prospecting, right? Like we asked the <laughs> right. new FR. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you ask for referrals in that meeting? Oh, my joint work partner was running the meeting and they used up all the time. Okay, well, who is that on, right? Ultimately, that's on the new rep. So making sure that your new FRs and your experienced FRs are discussing who is going to be doing what parts. What's the expression? I've heard you say it before. An ounce of preparation is worth a... What's that expression, Sabina?
1: A pound of cure. There we go. A right? pound of cure. Exactly. Isn't it an ounce of preparation is worth a pound of cure. Yep.
0: Yes, there we go. So you could be doing more also to prepare your veterans for what they need to be doing, right? Ask the reps to remember what it's like to be new. They probably don't need the referrals, right? They're at a place in their business where it's like, oh, well, if I run out of time, I don't need to prospect. But that new FR, they do need to prospect. So asking your veteran or experienced FRs to take the time to prepare with those new
1: FRs is huge.
0: So Sabina, did you have something else in regard to preparation?
1: I just had one other thing in regard to preparation. Mm -hmm. Preparation usually equals no surprises on the back end, right? Like if you don't talk about all these things up front, you're probably going to have some kind of uncomfortable conversation (laughs) after the appointment because maybe you thought it was going to be 50-50, but the veteran always does 60-40, or they assume that you're going to share the referrals, but you don't. And prospecting-wise, a lot of times veteran reps don't prospect in the first meeting at this stage of their career, but they sure did when they were in the beginning, right? So Mm -hmm. they have to understand that this is what we're trying to teach new reps. Otherwise, the new rep thinks, oh, well, Heather's 15 years in. She didn't prospect in the first meeting, so I guess I don't have to either. And they don't recognize that there's a 15-year experience gap. So I want to talk about one of the other nuances of joint work, and that is whether joint work is done up or down. Right. So, for an example, a CUD in the summertime is going to do a lot of joint work down because they're going to have a a stable full of interns that they're trying to manage and help become successful. So, they're going to do a lot of joint work. And so, on paper, it's going to look like they're doing just a ton of joint work, but about 95% of it is joint work with interns, right? In the service of helping interns, which is as it should be. You want them to do that. But then all of a sudden, the interns go back to school, summer's over, and poof, the joint work is gone, and their calendar seems a little skeletal. So one of the things that you always want to check on is who are they doing? As Heather mentioned at the beginning, who are they doing joint work with? The purpose of joint work is to learn and grow. And so if you've got a three-month rep who's doing joint work with a five-month rep, that's not really going to be necessarily very effective. So whether it's up or down is a big part of the nuances of doing joint work. One of the things that people ask us too on a regular basis is, how does joint work impact the ratios? right? Like, aren't all my numbers and ratios going to go down if I do a lot of joint work? And first of all, on the activity side, no, because if you do joint work, everybody gets the activity points, right? If you do a fact finder and a case open jointly, you both get a point for the fact and a point for the case open. The closing ratios might be affected two or three percent. But what I have observed is they often get better when you bring along some expertise, because the veteran will often uncover more opportunities and bigger opportunities. So doing a lot of joint work doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get lesser results. My observation is it's always more. Sometimes people will say, well, my gosh, does that mean if I did 100% joint work, would I need to get 80 lives to get my pace setter? And the answer is it doesn't really work that way. If you're doing an appropriate amount and type of joint work, you're going to end up with more of everything. Now, I will say one other thing about this, and that is joint work isn't a magic potion, right? Bringing a veteran with you does not guarantee a successful close all the time. The regular ratios still apply in terms of what percentage is going to close. So don't let your new reps get away with trying one or two joint cases that don't close and then saying, well, see, didn't work for me. (laughs) So Heather, there's one other nuance that I think is really important that you were going to talk about.
0: Yeah, I didn't want to finish this topic without talking about the impact of diversity on joint work. Definitely an important consideration for women and people of color, especially. Now, some people are going to argue, you don't have to put a woman with a woman or a person of color with a person of color. You just have to provide a successful rep with experience. But here's where that can be a challenge. And I'm going to actually give you some real examples from my coaching to help highlight where it can be a challenge. So I was coaching an African-American rep And after plenty of encouragement to do more joint work, he just wasn't following through on the recommendation. And to give you a little bit of backdrop, he was in a district office where there was one other African-American rep, but that rep was only eight months in the business. So definitely had more experience than he did as a brand new rep, but because he was only eight months in, he wasn't on the approved joint work list. So I knew that this FR was working mostly in his natural market, which was also happened to be obviously an African-American market. So with a caring and a candid approach, I asked him if his lack of joint work had anything to do with his market and not being able to find somebody that looked like him to take into that market. Sabina, he was so relieved, (laughs) like the look on his face. Yeah. Like, thank heavens, I didn't have to bring it up, but I get to talk about the issue, right? So To summarize a great discussion, he basically said, there is no way I can bring a bunch of white dudes into these meetings with me. (laughs) And so I discussed with the office, making an exception to the approved joint work list and letting him do joint work with the eight-month rep and what a difference it made. It was so helpful for him. We saw just a difference. His appreciation for the help, there was a different level of respect that he had for the leadership team. And obviously what we wanted to see was increased results. So this is one place that it's okay to make an exception to your joint work list, right? Here's another consideration. Look outside your agency if you have to. If you are in an office right now that doesn't have a lot of diversity or maybe a lot of young diversity, look outside your office to find more experienced diverse reps for your new diverse reps to do joint work with. And go the extra step and don't just give them a list and say, oh, here's a couple names of some people that you might want to do joint work with in the office make the call to the office with them, right? Call the managing partner, the managing director, call the rep, make that introduction. It'll be well worth your time. And then another example would be women in joint work. So a couple statistics that some may be aware of is that women control 50 to 60% of wealth in the U.S. They also make 50% of the decisions. 41% of women are the primary breadwinner. Now, layer on top of that the fact that in surveys, 60% of women prefer to work with a female advisor. So if you're a new female advisor and you're working with a lot of women, you might be looking for another woman to do joint work with, understandably, right? We know that women's confidence goes up when they're working with another woman. They might open up differently about challenges in the business and connect differently. So we really want to make sure that they have those resources to go to. So the same rules apply here, as in the earlier example, go outside your agency if you need to in order to make some introductions to the right person for joint work for these new FRs. All right. So now that I've got that important info off my chest, it is now time for our Say
1: Say That that again. Again.
0: Okay. In today's Say That Again segment, we are going to role play a rep who doesn't want to do joint work. We're going to do two different scenarios. In the first scenario, I believe I will be the coach and Sabina, you are going to be the FR and you are an FR that doesn't think that the prospect that they're going to see is quality enough to bring joint work along. Okay? Okay. All right. Sounds good. Here we go. Okay. So Sabina, from the three meetings that you had yesterday, how many of those were joint?
1: Actually, Heather, none of those were joint yesterday. They were all young, single people. So I didn't really feel like the joint work partners that we have, I didn't think would want to waste their time on that.
0: Hmm. Okay. What do you believe would have happened if you asked one of our experienced reps for joint work?
1: Well, I'm not sure. In my mind, they would have just said, no, <laughs> come to me when you have someone who's a little more valuable. <laughs> I mean, that's in my head. Well, and you know what, though? That's why I'm asking, right? Because I need to know what's in
0: your head in order to coach right. you the best way that I can. So it's good to know that you're thinking that because a couple things might happen. Number one, they'll probably ask you to tell them a little bit about the prospect, right? And once you tell them about the prospect, guess what? It's their decision to say yes or no. They may say yes, (laughs) right? You don't know. And they may say no. That's true. Yeah, and they may say no. They might, yeah. And that's that's okay too, but they also may say, well, you know what? Based on what you've shared with me, here's some advice that I could give you that might help in this situation. And you may be able to go to that appointment Mm -hmm. without the joint work partner, but having a little bit more advice and experience in knowing what to do in that situation, potentially,
1: right? Oh. Yeah, I didn't realize that they would do that. That's kind of cool.
0: Right? Like, I'm not able to take it, but here's a couple thoughts for you. Or Mm -hmm. they might say, you know what? I'd love to come along. My calendar is free. Why not? So number Mm -hmm. one, we don't want to make assumptions. What would have been some of the benefits to your clients that you met with yesterday of bringing a joint work partner with you?
1: Well, they would probably get a better explanation of disability income. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's something I always struggle with, is trying to really explain that. And I don't know. I guess the joint work partner might have found some stuff that I didn't or Mm -hmm. might have asked a different question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you're seeing the benefits obviously to the client, right? And you're seeing benefits to yourself as well, Mm -hmm. right? You probably would have learned more how to better present DI as well. Yeah. So, I just want to remind you that this is a part of our culture. I mean, doing joint work. And so, Mm -hmm. they're expecting you to ask to take joint work or asking them to come along with you for joint work. So, You don't know what you don't know until you have shared all of the information about the prospect and you've asked. And some joint work partners might take it on and others might not. So rather than making assumptions, I would definitely go with, go ahead and ask for the joint work and see where things go from there.
1: Okay. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of it that way.
0: So that's one example of something that you might hear, right? Like, oh, it's not worth bringing in the joint work partner. Now let's try a different one. And Sabina, I'll let you start. I'll be the rep, and in this case, we're going to talk about how I think we're doing a rep right that doesn't want to lose the life credit,
1: doesn't want to share the income, right, mm-hmm. or share the income, doesn't yep. want to lose the life credit or share the income from that. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so Heather, you had a great day yesterday. You kept four appointments. That's awesome. Yeah. Tell me how many of those four were joint. Oh, actually, I feel really good about. It. I did all four of them by myself. Mm-hmm. So no joint work on those four. Nope. Okay. Nope. So tell me a little bit about that. I know we've kind of gone around the block a couple times about joint work. Tell me what's keeping you from the benefits of joint work.
0: I just felt like I could handle it. You know, I'm a couple months in and I'm looking at my pay setter report and my income and I'm thinking, eh, probably get to pay setter faster and my wallet will get a little fuller faster as well, quite honestly, if I do these on my own.
1: Okay. I understand. And I can appreciate that. But what do we usually say about joint work, Heather? Do you remember the phrase that we've kind of talked about through training and quite often?
0: Oh, yeah. 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing.
1: (laughs) Yes. Do you believe that? Uh, Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, no. (laughs) I I mean, yes and no. I mean, yes, I agree with it. And I guess timing-wise right now, I figured a
1: couple months of doing more on my own wouldn't be the worst thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Now tell me, you did a fair amount of joint work in your first month and a half or so. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? Did you have a good experience?
0: It was good. Yeah, I did have a good experience. I learned a lot and
1: yeah, got me off to a fast start for sure. Mm -hmm. And so what makes you think that that wouldn't continue, that level of productivity? I would think it would. I would think it
0: would continue, but now I'll just get double the credits. (laughs) So you don't think the
1: joint work had an impact on that early fast start? I'm sure it did. Yeah, they probably helped me uncover Mm -hmm. some things that maybe I wouldn't have on my own. Mm -hmm. And I think the key is finding that balance because there probably are some cases that you can do on your own. But I know that you've done a fair amount of joint work with Sam. So thinking about that experience, do you think if you did more of that kind of joint work going forward that you would end up with more results or less results?
0: I don't really know. I suppose probably more.
1: Mm -hmm. Just based on what you know. I know that you're concerned about setter, and I understand that because logically, it seems like if you did more joint work, it would be a slow climb to get to 40. But I know that there are three other reps in the office who have gone beyond Paysetter. like They were closer to 50 lives, two of them were, and they did a lot of joint work. So here's what I would recommend for you. Rather than just listening to me talk about joint work, I would recommend that you talk to Mark and Sharon and Carrie about the joint work that they did and ask them how it went for them and how they were able to get more results by doing more joint work. Because I think it just has more oomph when you hear it from reps who've done it. What do you think about that?
0: That's fair. Yeah, I could easily do that.
1: Okay. So why don't we make that a little bit of a homework assignment? So when we meet again in two days, can you commit to having just briefly chatted with those three and ask them and then we can talk about what you learned? Yes, I can certainly do that. Okay, great. So it's when someone doesn't want to share the credit or they're worried about the income, that's a little bit tougher to overcome. But the truth of the matter, Heather, right, is that the more joint work you do, the better your results get. They don't really get worse. That's so true. I mean, that's been my observation and experience.
0: Yep. I agree. I agree. Well, we definitely hope you were able to take away some helpful tidbits, some things that you can execute right away today as it pertains to joint work. And we are excited to have you join us next time on Activity Coaching Conversations. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather
1: and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more
0: about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes.
1: Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.